Welcome to Serviced Accommodation Secrets with me, Sally Kemba. This is the podcast where you get the on the ground experience that we're living and breathing with our serviced accommodation units. So you get to share our hacks and tips, our mistakes, so you can learn from those and thrive on our success. So welcome, welcome everybody to Service Accommodation Secrets, this podcast episode. And it's my absolute privilege to interview Chris Morn today. And I'm so excited because if you've heard of Chris Morn through IPRAC, there's so much more that he's done and is doing. But IPRAC, obviously, really crucial to our industry. So thank you so much for joining us, Chris. It's awesome to have you. Absolute pleasure, Sally. Really looking forward to it. Awesome. And what we're going to do, guys, is have some of this live and then the whole episode will be on my podcast from Monday. So it's all very exciting. So really, at the moment, Chris, the thing that's really on people's minds is how do they get their bookings going? How do they get more direct bookings so they're not paying commissions? And do you have advice you could give people on that? Because I know some people are struggling because of COVID. Mm. And just generally, you know, what would you say is the best thing they can do? Of course, COVID's got a huge effect on what's going on at the moment. So you've got to be, I think you've got to take the standpoint of where are you with your business right now? Because I think so many people are very heavily reliant on OTAs. We're anywhere up to like 80, 90% reliant on OTAs. So their business has been hugely affected as OTAs aren't be able to channel the bookings down to the reservation inquiries. So I think you've got to kind of start looking at building your business that you can survive without relying on an OTA, which is basically direct bookings. But direct bookings is, it's a completely different animal to an OTA, a managing a, a property management company or minimum two, three apartments on, on your own website than using an OTA. So you've got to understand why consumers use OTAs and not direct bookings, because basically it's all about the trust factor. You know, I mean, booking.com, Airbnb, they spend millions of dollars and pounds and euros every year to create this consumer trust. And this is why they, all of the consumers go to Airbnb, booking.com and look at the host's properties on their platform. So if you want to go into direct bookings, you've got to replace what the OTAs offer a consumer, and that's trust. And this is not something that you can do overnight. So it's something that you have to build. It's something that you have to concentrate on as a business. And this is one of the reasons why we founded IPRAC. So the first part you've got to do is get your trust strategy in place. So if somebody arrives on your website, They've got to be able to feel like they can trust who you are as a business, as a product, as a brand, and continue to go down the, the inquiry route. And if they don't get that trust, they're, going to, they're just going to bounce off your website, either go to somebody else's website or go to an OTA. Mm-hmm. So you've, you've spent money marketing your website to drive traffic, but not to convert that traffic. This is, the, this is what a lot of people don't understand. It's about... It's not about the marketing right now. You've got to understand that marketing is very important, of course. But if you're driving traffic to your website, you've got to be able to convert it. Right. Okay. There's yeah. no point having like there's no point having a hundred people visit your website a day if you're not converting any of them into, in, into actual rentals. Yeah. If that if that's the case, there's something wrong. 
Sure. So, so I think you've got to understand your website and your trust strategy first. That's the first thing you've got to do because you've got to get that right before you start concentrating on driving people to your website. Okay. So that's the first thing. So you've got to look at your trust strategy and how you can increase consumer trust mm. within your own brand. That's, that's key. Marketing side of things, I would say you've got to look at your website because I think a lot of the websites today are very basic mm. and a lot and a lot of you can actually feel when you go onto somebody's website today, not all, but a majority of them are very basic and they're not kind of very inviting to a consumer who really wants to book a, a nice apartment. They're a very basic website. So you've got to invest more in your presentation of your brand, your properties and who you are and what you do. So this is key also. And once you've got them two aspects organized, you will start to convert more inquiries. Hmm. Okay. But I think, but I think also today as well, because of the COVID, um, I mean, listen, don't get me wrong. I think OTAs are a massive driving force. But if you're using an OTA to drive traffic to your website in terms of inquiries, you should be able to convert them into a direct booking after they've stayed with you. Oh, yeah. Definitely. You know, that's, that, mm-hmm. should be your, that should be your key, that should be your key goal is yeah. to try to convert as many book, direct bookings as possible. But I think as well with the marketing, a lot of people don't get with COVID. You've got to look at, um, because I think the staycation market is going to be where it's going to be for the next, you know, certainly two years. Mm. So I think you've got to kind of forget about international travel. That's for sure. And staycation, (laughs) staycation is a huge market because, you know, you're looking, if you're working in the UK, um, I think a lot of people, like, for example, I'm originally from the north of England, but I've never been to Brighton. Have you never not? Been to, no, I've never been to you Brighton. So there's, no. <laughs> well, I mean, I've lived in the south of France for like 20 years. So I moved down here when I was 25. So, but from when I was living in the UK up to 25, I'd never been, I never took a trip down to Brighton. Okay. No. So that's an example. Of, there's so many people around the, around the UK who are living in a certain part of the UK who've never visited another part of the UK yeah. and destination marketing is not about promoting your properties, which you, which you see a lot on social media, just photos of properties. This doesn't work. No, people aren't interested in that. They don't know where that property is for one. So you've got to start, you've got to start looking at destination marketing and attracting people to where your properties are situated. So let's say you're in Brighton, for example, you've got to look at all the positive things and that families can do in Brighton yeah why would people come to Brighton and post about Brighton as a destination and maybe the train station from Brighton how far the train station is from your properties what Mm. great restaurants are there to to eat at what the, the, the Brighton Pier you know this is what's going to attract people to your destination then you can sell them the accommodation yeah but but don't try to sell them accommodation first because sure. that's what we see a lot on social media, just a lot of like beautiful three bedroom apartment and just the photos of the apartment. And then you're hoping to get people to book through that. They're not going to get booked. If you like, if you're a corporate, if you concentrate on corporate, you've mm-hmm. got to, you've got to sort, you've got to use social media to get into the corporate mindset Yeah, of understanding that you are geared up for corporate bookings you understand corporate bookings, corporate, you know, and this, this is why destination marketing is key 
rather than just promoting photos of your property. So staycation is, and this is something you should be doing now Mm -hmm. so that you can benefit from it in like three to four months. Good plan. Yeah. Why would anyone go there? They, They need a reason, don't they? Well, it's key, isn't it? I mean, nobody just decides to go somewhere to stay somewhere. You know, this is the thing. Destination mm-hmm. always comes first. Whether you're going to visit family, whether you're going to work, whether you're, whether you're going on holiday, yeah. there's a reason you're going to the destination first. Then, sure. you, then you decide on where you're going to stay, whether it's going to be an apartment, whether it's going to be a hotel, whether it's yeah. going to be this side of town, that side of town. But you've already decided that you're going to that destination. Mm. So convincing people that your destination is a good place to visit right now Mm. is what destination marketing is all about so you've got to study if you don't know what destination marketing is I would suggest you you look into that and start you know studying it in a way Mm. where you can understand it more because it's a real powerful tool to get into the to get more bookings awesome yeah that's a really good point because where we are we're in Red Hill which is south of London but we've got beautiful countryside all around. You can see right across the Sussex Weald, right to the South Down. So I post quite a few pictures of that, or we post, sorry, not not I. Well, that's a, <laughs> not yeah, which is a which is a form of which is a form of destination marketing because you're selling mm-hmm. the destination rather than you know the, you're going to sell the sec, you're going to sell the accommodation as a secondary byproduct. But first of all, you're trying to sell the destination first. Mm-hmm. What's interest you know for families. Mm. you know like because you know staycation is going to be a lot of family holidays you've got to attract them people to your destination then sell them your accommodation services yeah. oh that sounds really 100%. good and so as well as the destination marketing then thinking about that what's the best approach do you think for a service accommodation operator you know sh- a short-term rental operator to become more visible to the market how do they get people drawn to their websites do you think i think yeah i mean you've got to use seo i mean Mm -hmm. you know search engine optimization is key i think if you're not if you're not using all of these tools or understanding them you need to um and i think the cheapest way to drive traffic to drive traffic to your website today is through social media and you know paid ads Sure. And and I think, you know, it's quite easy to, not easy, but it's quite cheap to find the, the right price to, for a paid ad for your mm-hmm. destination. You know, global global paid ads, are you know, for global keywords, that's different. But if like, for instance, you are like Red Hill, then you can find low, low costing um, paid adverts on Facebook, on mm-hmm. Instagram, on Google, and that's going to drive the traffic. But as I said previously, you you can't drive traffic to a, to somewhere where they don't trust you. Mm. So you've got to get your trust strategy, like I said before, correct first, then mm. drive the traffic to your website and make sure your website's ready to take either instant booking mm. or or your inquiry situation is 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 prominent. But I think that's the cheapest way today, and and that's where most people are spending their time yeah. on social media. And, and I think on trying to understand your market, who your market is, and, try to, and that's what you can do with the keywords of your, yeah. your SEO. So SEO is very important. So, and it's all, you can learn about all this quite, quite easily if you put the time in. Yeah. Um, 
So SEO and paid ads, I would say. Okay. You know? And in terms of trust then, would you say um, building trust as um, people may have been scammed in the past? I mean, this is sort of where IPRAC comes in, isn't it? You know, people don't know yeah, Adam. Yeah. It could just be mm. a fake website, couldn't it? So Yeah. Um, but this is the problem. Is the this is... Yeah, yeah. This is, I mean, this is why this is why we founded IPRAC. I mean, this is what IPRAC was founded on, mm. was the fact that we wanted to create a platform that legitimate operators could become approved and showcase trust and credibility, mm. and also provide consumers with a logo of trust that they could follow and book with, and book with confidence. And that's what IPRAC. That's what IPRAC does. So it kind of works for both. So. There isn't anything out there that guarantees the trust because IPRAC's a third-party verification platform. Mm. So it's not kind of you trying to convince a potential guest that you're trustworthy. This is a third-party verification that's telling the guest that you are trustworthy mm. and you've gone through a robust you know, application and, and, and approval process. So IPRAC's the leader of, of trust, but there's other things that you can do with with trust and i've i mentioned this when i was a keynote speaker at the book direct show is that you've got to show clients that you're trustworthy not just with iprac iprac's the key but let's say for instance that you could drive somebody to your website and on your home page you could actually have something on your home page that says you know you can trust us here's why mm. now any potential guest arriving on your website and sees you can trust us, here's why, they will click on that. Mm. Just how, this, how, this is how the brain works. They're looking for yeah. the word trust. <laughs> they're looking for the word trust and they're looking because their subconscious mind's already trying to find ways not to, do, not to work with you. So when yeah. they see trust, they're going to go to that trust page. And this trust page is where you can really create and get into the psychology of your potential guest. So you can show your IPRAC logo and why you became IPRAC approved and, and why you believe consumer confidence is trust and is key. Mm. And, 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 all of, and all the other things that you do, maybe within your community, your cleaning certifications, what you do about COVID, what's your check-in procedure, what's your cancellation policies. All of these are kind of information that consumers want to see first mm -hmm. before they consider looking at your website. Before they consider looking at a property to think about booking. So you've got to get them from your home page to your trust page. And then from your trust page, you can say now view our properties. And that's a flow. Yeah. It's a flow from it's a flow from your home page to your trust page to your properties. And that will that's a sales funnel. Mm. So you're not that somebody's not landing on your home page and thinking, mm, I don't know where to go really, and I just don't trust them. Okay, I'm gone. <laughs> and that's, a, that's an opportunity lost. And mm. you might have paid for that ad. You might have paid like a, a Google ad to drive that traffic to your website and you've lost it within five seconds. Yeah. So just, just by putting that on your homepage and designing a trust page around your, you know, your ethos about trust, why you believe it's so important, consumers mm. will buy into that. They will buy into the fact that you consider trust very highly on your agenda and why they should book with you through trust. And then through the IPRAC process of saying your bookings are guaranteed because we're IPRAC approved. Yeah. So that's, yeah. A, that's how to gain trust, you know, and, and talk about your, what you do in the community and some reviews. I mean, I, I like reviews, but 
they're not the be all and end all because not all reviews are verified. So mm-hmm. they can be easily constructed. So sure. con- consumers looking at a review, they kind of think, well, anybody could have wrote that. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah so, so, th- so, so don't think that good reviews are a, are a driving force to, con- to conversion. They're not. They yeah. help, mm-hmm. but they're not, a, they're not the final. They won't, they won't get somebody over the line into saying, I 100% trust this person. That's what iPrac does. Mm, that makes so much sense and the things you said they're not rocket science you just put yourself in somebody else's shoes I guess imagine it's you and how you feel so but really good information though yeah you've got to you've got to I think what you said there is very very true you've got to put yourself in the shoes of a consumer I mean let's our industry is short-term rentals so many times you're booking paying somebody you don't know yeah. Well in advance of the stay and hoping everything's going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, you've got to understand that that pain point of the consumer's mindset. Mm. They're going to be very anxious. And they are. When mm. they even when they book, they're very anxious. So again, when you're taking a booking, communication with your guest from the day they book all the way to the day they arrive, regular communication of what's going on also enforces trust yeah you know it's not just about oh we've got a booking uh for july yeah. and then that's that goes in the top in drawer type thing and you forget about them until two weeks prior to his arrival and then you contact them to say right we're looking forward to your stay they've had like four or five months of if you know they just don't know mm. so communication is key but also again you know iprac approval helps with that because the booking's guaranteed by iprac yeah, that's really cool. I mean, I, there's nothing else like IPRAC. That was my next question, actually. So no. um, I remember reading a story about you helping your family who were stranded in um, well, where you are in the south of France. Do you want to tell us a bit more about what made you start IPRAC? Absolutely. Yeah. So like I said, I've been in the business, in the short term rental business, like since 2000, when I set up our agency in Cannes. So but we're a corporate agency, so we don't really do any kind of summer rentals but in it was like the 9th of July 2014 can remember the day um uh, yeah we got a we got a phone call from a woman very distressed basically saying that could did we have any apartments available so we didn't it's just because we didn't really get involved in that but we found out that they'd been frauded from a for 15,000 pounds so that they'd arrived in Nice They'd got in a taxi and they'd gone to an address where they'd originally thought they'd booked a luxury villa in Supercan and uh, they got to the address and the villa didn't exist. So, they, yeah, so there was, there was a husband and wife and three children. So stranded on the side of the road and just didn't speak the language, didn't know what to do. And they went on to, on, they went on to Google and just searched accommodation in Cannes and, we, and my company came up first. Right. So, which is a good thing. <laughs> that is that's a good S- thing. That's SEO. SEO. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so this is, so what we did was we got them down to our office and that was when I kind of realized what had happened. And it was such an, an emotional uh, day because, you know, I'm watching like a husband and wife argue. I'm watching three children really confused. Mm. And I just kind of thought to myself, how did this happen? I don't understand how this. So we got them into an, an apartment, which we give them. 
um, to let them go and settle themselves in. And they came back a couple of days later and I got a little bit more information about what had happened. And I'd realized that they'd been frauded on a, on a very high end, a very luxury website. Oh, wow. not, a, not, a booking, not a booking platform. This was a fraudulent website who was promoting luxury villas in, um, in the south of France. And, and I realized then that it was not that wasn't just a one-off incident, then started to realize that there was nothing that was protecting our industry. So we had all of these amazing hosts, property managers and property owners who were wanting to provide a, a great experience to guests. Mm. but they couldn't showcase any any trust and credibility anywhere and again for consumers they had nobody to they didn't know who they were booking with and that's how we decided that we would we would change the the, the short-term rental industry by building iprac and that's what iprac was a that's the reason why iprac was founded because of this family yeah oh well it's amazing you helped them and it's awful isn't it that because it wasn't even double booked or anything it just didn't exist at all just didn't exist the the address that they got to just didn't exist wow that's just shocking isn't it so sorry no but it's like fifteen thousand pounds gone yeah you know so there's all of these stories that are around in the media and not all of the stories get to media level because, you know, some people just don't want to talk about it. They feel ashamed about it. They feel guilty. They don't want anybody to know. So a lot of rental fraud doesn't even get reported. You know, like stats state that like seven out of 10 victims of rental fraud don't report it. Seven out of 10, that's like 70%. They don't report it. Very and that's, that's frightening, you know. Mm. And so the, the problem is actually bigger than what we as an industry believe that it is. Yeah. So consumer trust is kind of very important because consumers are kind of, they hear about these stories and then they tend to get onto, you know, direct booking websites like maybe your website, for instance, and they just, you know, their subconscious mind is telling them, you know what, you've just got to be careful here. You know, you don't know Sally, she could be anybody. You know what, let's just go back to booking.com. Yeah, yeah. And that's lost. That's a, that's a direct booking lost. It is. Because yeah. they, you just haven't, because that consumer just doesn't have the confidence to, to, to go and book directly with you. And, and, and it's normal. I mean, you know, we make decisions on trust every day, every one of us. You know, mm-hmm. which babysitter do we use? Do we, which air flight, which airline do we use? Do we get in a taxi? Do we get an Uber? Which restaurant? All of these decisions that we're making on a daily basis mm-hmm. are subconsciously driven by trust. Our yeah. subconscious mind to, to make a decision whether we trust or not. And the short-term rental industry is huge for that. Yeah. So we have to showcase trust and credibility. Otherwise, we, we're not going to, we're going to lose bookings. Yeah. It's as simple sure. as that. You know, I mean, our kids are big now, but when they were little, we'd book villas and things like that and transfer money to people never met. And I was like, oh, my God, because I do all the research, find the place. So I always like contacting people direct, actually, because then you could speak to a person. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, you know, you kind of hope cross fingers. And yeah, so it's really important. So for anyone who doesn't know. Can you briefly describe just the benefits to guests and operators of IPRAC before we talk about more of your business areas, just to finish off our live part of the interview? That'd be great. Okay, yeah, sure. So, yeah, so IPRAC stands for International 
property rental approval certification. So that's what we are. We're a, we're a verification platform. So if you're a, a property owner or a property manager, then you can apply to become IPRAC approved. So once you become, once you go through the application and submit your supporting documents, our approval team in the UK go through the whole scenario of going through the approval. And once you become approved, you then get your IPRAC logo, your IPRAC certificate, and your IPRAC profile. But the IPRAC logo is unique, as you know, because you became IPRAC approved not, yeah. not that long ago, I think, yeah. Mm. Is each IPRAC logo is unique because your ID number is within the logo. So there's no IPRAC logo the same. So this is, this is very, very important. So you can put that logo on your website. Nobody can copy your logo because your ID number is linked to your profile. And this is one of the key areas of IPAC because there's so many logos out there that are supposed to demonstrate trust, but they're so easily copied and mm. put and posted onto fraudulent websites. They don't, there's no accountability. Yeah. So it's easy for a fraudulent operator just to take that logo and put it on a fraudulent website and say, you know, we're apt to approved. You can book with us with confidence and that's it. Yeah. But the IPAC logo is different. So you can, you, in this, the ID number is your unique membership number. And what that provides you is with is the opportunity to promote that logo to your guests. So when a guest sees the IPAC logo, they know that you've been verified by the global body of short-term rentals for trust. And that what hands down is worth the money or whatever you decide to do with IPRAC, but it that that's key. For me, it's key just to be able to showcase the trust. But then you've got your profile and the profile is where you can send that link to your potential guests and they can view all of your credentials of what's been verified. Yeah. And again, this enforces the trust. So, the, so IPRAC as a tool helps you convert inquiries into rentals. Yeah. That's, what it, that's basically what it does. It's a, it's a tool that helps you convert inquiries into rentals. And without it, you can't showcase 100% trust. No. So, no, you can't. You know, so, but the other good thing about it is that we provide the, the guest who's booking with you, we ensure, all that, we ensure all of their payments to you. Even though the guest is paying you as a member directly, mm -hmm. IPRAC ensure all of the payments made to you. And, the, and when the guest got, uh, registers their booking on the platform, they get a certificate to say that your, your booking is registered with IPRAC, your, booking, your payments are guaranteed, and you get a copy of that. So all of a sudden, the guest, IPRAC, and you as the operator are all, in, are all together. They all know that booking exists, yeah. and it's verified, and it's insured, and it's all legitimate. Awesome. So it helps enforce the guest that they know that they've booked through a, a, a legitimate operator. So the benefits of IPRAC are unlimited, really, in terms of conversion. Yeah, it's huge, isn't and it? Yeah, yeah. And we've seen it work in so many different areas. In terms of corporate as well, corporate companies always stayed away from short-term rentals because of trust. Oh. But now with IPRAC, a lot of companies are quite happy to um, to work with IPRAC members because of the trust factor. So yeah. it's... It, all because of trust, IPRAC is helping operators gain more rentals. 
Yeah, I think it's brilliant. It's such a good idea. So yeah, we've got a link. We can send it out. People can see um, what we're about, or they can, you know, just join that link and see who we are, read the bio. And so yeah. they must breathe a sigh of relief. There's no fictitious villas to go to for people if they use IPRAC then, is there? So well, you've also you're also linking uh, you're also linking the verification platform into the booking. Yeah. So when you di- when you're direct, it's consumer and and that's it. There's no there's no kind of other body else. When yeah. you're booking through an OTA, OTA are the confidence in the middle. Mm. The, the yeah. consumers can go to the OTA and say, "I've got a problem." When you remove the OTA, it's directly consumer and, and operator host. So yeah. there's no you've you've got to have that trust. Yeah. yeah. And IPRAC sits above that. They let you get on with the booking. But IPRAC is sitting there just monitoring that that everything goes well. And we know everything goes well because all our members have been approved. So, yeah. you know, in four years, we've had, we haven't had one reservation that's come back as a problem with fraud. Awesome. So it shows, it shows that the IPRAC platform works for consumers and for guests yeah. and for members. Brilliant. Well, I think it's an awesome idea. And yeah, I only heard about it recently through Mark Simpson, really, which is... Yes. Yeah, I know Mark. Yeah, very well. Yeah. 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 So anyone who's watching this who isn't signed up to IPRAC, strongly recommend it. And yeah, you can build that trust. And we're going to end the live now and just carry on with another part of the interview. So thank you, everybody who's watched on our Facebook page. Take care, everybody. So that's brilliant. Thanks so much, Chris, for that part. But I didn't know so much about your short-term rental business and all the things you've done. And you've had so many, I don't know, ups and downs, and you've really expanded your business from, well, an opportunity you had to go to the south of France. Would you like to tell us a bit about how what you're doing with your current business and how you came to be there, really? Yeah, well, I came to, to yeah, I think I came to Cannes, it was Cannes in 2000. I came to Cannes in 2000, so like 20 years ago. And I came on, the, I didn't come to set up a, an accommodation company. I was actually, I used to work for Duncan Bannatyne in the UK for the health clubs. Okay. So I was his sales and marketing director. And I came down to the south of France to see whether there was a possibility of opening a club here, which there wasn't. and. I decided that I would, he invited me to go back to the, to Darlington, in the northeast of England, which uh, <laughs> I kind of, you know, Maybe south not. of France or Darlington, it's really a difficult choice, <laughs> isn't it? So I decided to say, no, I'm not coming back. And I stayed in Cannes and I saw a gap in the market for a corporate accommodation company. Mm-hmm. So I didn't believe that anybody was doing a, a good enough job of providing corporate accommodation. And that's what we started AES. So we started from the bottom. We started with a studio. I used to live in the studio I worked in. So I had a mattress that kind of went behind the door. And on a nighttime, I'd take the mattress, put it on the floor, sleep. And in the morning, get up, put the mattress behind the door and go to work. So I did that for about nine months before we kind of got somewhere to live and build some properties build the website and we started from there and today we're working with like 
you know, we, we, I mean, we manage just under 250 properties now. Right. That's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, it's big. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, we've got a big team, a good team, but to go from zero to 250 properties is, yeah, it's quite an achievement. I mean, we're very proud of it. Yeah, you must be. And that must yeah, mean yeah. When, you must have gone through 2008 and everything that happened mm. in the recession. The crash. Yeah, yeah, that was terrible. I mean, that was probably one of the darkest, a, a very dark time in my life for sure, because I'd, I'd worked so hard to build the business up. And I think we built the business up prior to the crash that we got to just about just under 3 million turnover as a business. And we went, when the crash happened in September, within four months, we went from like 2.8 million turnover business to like 410,000. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that was a time when I had to then, but I'd realized then that we'd built the business the wrong way. You know, we hadn't, yeah, we'd built it with too many overheads. Mm. We'd built it, we were, we were providing owners with too many guarantees. Mm. Uh, We had too many staff. Um, I wasn't focused enough on, on the business. And that kind of, and that kind of give us a, give me a big wake up call, to be honest. So, I mean, post the 2008, we kind of, that's when I kind of, my whole life changed really, to, to be honest, because that's when I went into, you know, more of a personal development journey within myself mm-hmm. and also within the business to kind of look at how we could build a more sustainable business that could survive you know, like another crash or, you know, like, or a pandemic. Like the, or a pandemic. And that, and when the way we rebuilt the business was exactly that. I mean, it proved, it proved to be the right decision because when COVID came, we were, we were in a very strong position to survive. You know, we looked at this, we looked at our figures and we kind of said that if we don't do, if we don't do any income for the next three years, we can survive. Awesome. So that was that was that was amazing to be able to look at it and think, wow, we've built a business that can survive without any income for three years. That's paying the salaries, paying the charges, paying, yeah. you know. So that's strong. That's good, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's testament. It's testament to what we built post two thousand and eight. Yeah. But I had to go through two thousand and eight to to um, to realize that, you know. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't change that for the world because I think anybody's anybody's difficult times, darker days are always a door to better. Yeah. I, I strongly believe that, you know I mean? I think you need to, to sometimes you need to, to suffer to be able to take you to the next level. Yeah, well, I think reading um, about you and, and particularly there was um, Neely's um, unspoken story. So if nobody uh, yeah. read that, yeah, I think they really should because it's really fascinating. But so I wanted to touch on a bit of that kind of thing because... Mm-hmm. You obviously took the plunge. You worked really hard. You went from Darlington to the south of France and you probably had naysayers and, you know, you were up against it with with larger companies, I'm sure. So really, after having traumatic events in your own life, how Mm. did you keep going and have that kind of faith in what you were doing? Because some people just get stuck and I'm sure there's lots of people listening who think, I don't know if I can do that. They kind of think it's all right for them, but I've had this awful thing happen. So, but you did have awful things yeah. happen. So how did you do that? Um, 
I think you know. I think mindset is a, is is certainly comes into play when you when you're talking about you know achieving what you want to achieve. But um, I would say that I was I, like you know. I mean, obviously, you're talking about when I lost my father. Well, yeah, and you had other yeah. close people who you lost. Yes. And you were very young when your father yeah. died. Yeah, I was very young when my father died. I think it was yeah, fourteen when my father died instantly, like suddenly of a of a heart attack. And that the two years after that was kind of a very dark time, obviously. But I think I learned a lot of, um, you know, like self belief in them two years, you know, mm-hmm. and and I think that's where it all came from. And I believe today that if you've got self belief then there's nothing that you can't achieve. Yeah. Okay. Everything starts with self-belief. That's, that's period. Anybody, if you want to stop smoking, you can. If you want to stop drinking, you can. You can, if you've, if you've got it in your, in your will and you believe that you can do it and your inner critic tells yourself that you can do it, you can achieve it. People, people achieving unbelievable things in today's world. Yeah. You know, but... I, and I just believe that if you can tell yourself that you that you believe in yourself, then whatever you decide to commit to, you can achieve it. And that's what I did, you know, and I, and I stopped when I was like 17. I just stopped to listen to people, other people's opinions. I just decided that I would make my own errors. Yeah. And I'd fall flat on my face. And if it didn't, and if I did, it didn't matter. Um, but I'd do it. You know, there's that saying, isn't there? You know, fail your way. Mm. And and I and I truly believe that because it, it's easier to accept when it's when you've made the decision and you fail, you can easily stand back up. Yeah. When you fail because when you fail because you failed at somebody something somebody else has told you to do, that's even harder to accept. Mm. So I started about 17. I just started getting this real appetite for self-belief. Mm. Um and and I was really, really um lucky to find a job. In a, in a health club in, in Durham, where this was a health club where basically you had like 250 of the richest people in the, in the, in the town. It's like, an ex, it's like an exclusive health club. So all the entrepreneurs, business owners, all came here to have a sauna, a swim and, and everything. And I got a job handing out the towels. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I could see the, all these people coming in and, you know, they, they, look, they all looked positive. They all looked happy. They all looked that they enjoyed life, they all, you know, and I kind of think there must be something to this. So I started asking questions, you know, and the answers that I was getting was all about belief, self-belief. If you, if you believe you can do it, you can. And these were, and I was getting fed. I didn't realize at the time, mm-hmm. but I was just getting fed like, you know, positivity from, a, from you know, from 250 of the, the town's richest people. Successful people. Amazing. Yeah. So, so a lot of that kind of helped me to understand that, you know, and one guy, I remember one guy told me and I asked him, what advice would you give to a young guy, you know, going into the world of business? And he just said, you know, there's always room for the best. Oh, that's awesome, isn't it? Yeah. And he, and I kind of said, what do you mean? He went, I, I can't say more than that, really. So just work it out. You know, and, and it's kind of, so, you know, okay, there's always room for the best, but as, as it just kind of taught me to learn, because when I got to the south of France and everybody was telling me, you're going to open an accommodation company, but there's so many. I mean, wh- why would you do that? And I just, and that, 
resonated all of the time, but there's the, I, I can be the best at this. Absolutely. And also there's always room for the best. So all of that kind of pre-work, you know, all of that work that I was, you know, meeting all of these people in the health club helped me to just raise my self-belief. And I, and even today, I believe that I, if I put my mind to anything, I can do it. Yeah, that's really that's strong. It. Yeah, that's it. Do you think people are just very fearful of failing? Do you think that's partly what it is as well? Yeah, of course. But but not only that. I mean, you know, the the, the brain isn't designed to, to to think otherwise. You know, so you've got to, you know, if you want to go, if tomorrow you want to say, right, I'm going to go in public speak in front of a thousand people, your brain is going to tell you, don't be silly, you can't do that. Why would you <laughs> want to do that? It's gonna, it's automatically going to take it's going to start that inner critic is going to tell you that you can't do it. Don't be so silly, you know, and, and this is what you, this is the brain working. So it's not that people are, it's not that people are afraid to fail. It's your brain's network of neurons that have taught you that. Yeah. That's what a brain's designed. It's designed to protect us. Mm -hmm. So going out of your comfort zone, your brain's a little bit kind of like, are you crazy? Why are you, why do you want to do this? Why are you going to take this risk? That's what you've got to be prepared to understand. And I think being scared to fail is a, is, is a problem because yeah. there's nothing wrong with, with failing. I mean, it's like, there's that saying, isn't there, that, you know, you know it's, better, it's, better to not, it's better to fail trying than not try at all. Yeah. And I think you've got to be able to, but I think as well, a lot of people are not scared to fail for themselves. They're scared to fail because of what other people will think. Yeah, that's huge, isn't it? Yeah, this is a huge thing. So it's like, oh, what you know, I'm not going to start my own business, or because you know, what what would my mum think, or what would my brother think, or what would my friends think, and oh, if I failed it, everyone's going to laugh at me, and you know, so it's it's not what you think inside; it's it's what you believe on your external, what external people are going to think of you. So the, the work that you have to do is to raise the bar and to kind of say, well, it doesn't matter what other people think of what I'm trying to achieve I'll let them do what they do and I will go and do what I do and if they're not on my journey then I'll just have to cut them loose yeah. you know I mean it's not as easy to cut family loose but it's easy to tell family in one sentence that you're doing it anyway <laughs> that is true that is true you know and and I've always been supported by my family you know my mum's never my my mother's never said to me no don't do that don't do this don't do that she's always kind of said if that's what you want to do go go and do it so I mean and I, and I feed that into my children you know if you want to do something just go and do it don't mm. don't do mum's life don't do dad's life go and do yours yeah and and we'll support you whatever you decide to do and if you fail it doesn't matter so if you can feed that into somebody's mindset at a young age Mm. they'll have a lot better understanding of um of just take the plunge yeah yeah i i entirely agree so our two mm. kids we've definitely said the same and interesting they say um it gives them freedom but it's also made them different because of course a lot of people go through schooling to be trained for a job and we never said that but that's another subject entirely but I think it's really important to help people to be self-determined isn't it and you actually met your wife and you've got your family because of where you went to work in, in yes. Florida, didn't you? so that's amazing yeah I met my wife here 
and she already had two children. So, I mean, I, I think Neely, that was a very difficult decision for me. Um, but, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people can resonate with that, you know, like stepdads or stepmoms going into somebody else, taking on somebody else's children is hard, you know, because if you're like me, then I'm one of these people that sees, I like to see things through to the end, you know, no matter what. So I, I knew that me making that decision was if I made it, I was going to commit to it. So yeah. committing to a, to to a wife with two children, I think there were there were five there were five and four at the time. Yeah, two gir- two girls. Mm. But I did it. I just you know I went for a walk, decided what I wanted. Am I going to do it? And I made a decision. I said, Yeah, I'm going to do it, and I did it. So you know, again, it's just committing to um, to what you're prepared to do. Yeah. And then uh, yeah, and I think that's. Um, that's what you've got to be prepared to do. Just, just go for it. You know, don't have any, don't have any regrets, you know, you know, don't make stupid decisions, of course, but you know, but if you want to do something, you know, I mean, my parents, I mean, my, my wife is, um, she's, she's from Congo. So she, my parents, we didn't, we weren't brought up with, uh, with cultures of different, different colored skins, yeah. you know? So a lot of my family were like, Oh my goodness. You know, this is, you know, oh we're talking like 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. and, and I was like, yeah, but I don't care. No, it's the person. You know, but, but you that are. was, but I'm, yeah, but this is the thing today. People are too busy to not live their own life because they're scared of what other people are going to think. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm making this decision because it's what I want to do. Mm. And, and I'm going to do it. So I just did it, you know, and, and, and that was it. So and now we've got our, our a little boy together. Uh, which he was born in 2013, so he's now seven. Um, so we've got, you've got a, I've got an amazing family, amazing family, and I love it. You know, it's uh, and they help me to they, they support me, but they also drive me to do better. Yeah, I'm sure family's mm-hmm. huge, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's everything. It's everything to me. And your family's quite involved in your charitable work, and in fact, your wife's been in your business. Um, ever since you've known her, hasn't she? Is that right? Well, it's our. It's kind of. I would say it's our business. So it is. You know, it's yeah. Kind of, yeah. Of it's our business because it, you know we've we've built that together. Uh, we've both got different traits, as we just say. You know, she's a <laughs> fantastic. She's a fantastic strategist, and uh, so she can see, you know, well into the future, and she plans very well. So she's she's helped develop the business into so many different areas. When we went into event management, when we went into furniture and property design and refurbishment, yacht yacht uh, yacht charters, um, marquee rentals, we developed such a wide range of different umbrellas under the business to get to where we are today. And she sees these things as well. So. Yeah, and my, and my children as well, they work in the business, you know, they do welcome baskets and on weekends. If they, Love if, it. If we need, yeah, so it's, um, it's a family business for sure, but we've got a team of 12, but uh, we do but we do like to think of it as a family business for sure. I think that's great, isn't it? They're all, you know, you're all working together for the same aim and yeah, it's, it's really cool. Well, I think it's important as well that, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong, we've you know we've built a very nice lifestyle but I think it's important for our children to grow up this is my opinion um but I wanted our children to grow up understanding the the work that we do the business that we that we do what hard work 
is all about. Mm. And, you know, they got, I think my two girls, they signed their first contract when they were like nine. <laughs> you know, the, yeah, to do welcome baskets. And they said, you know, you'll work Saturday and Sunday from nine till four. And you'll mm-hmm. get paid 60 euros each for that job. And, you get it, and they signed it. So I was trying to get them to understand that when you sign something, you have to, you put your word to it. You know, your word is everything. Yeah. So, so since then they've kind of, you know, they, they sign contracts to, for the, for the work, you know, just to keep them on track. I like that. And that really encourages integrity and commitment and long term planning and yeah. yeah, really resolving to do things, which I can see in you a lot. So I think that's really cool. You're not, sort of saying oh yeah I'll do that you really have a huge drive to to achieve and succeed in long term oh yeah yeah absolutely it's it's something that I I'm constantly trying to develop you know to and and see you know see my goals through yeah you know but yeah it's um but it wasn't always like that and and it's a daily process you know but I think you've got to be you've got to be passionate about what you do and if you're passionate about what you do, then, you know, when you get up in the morning, you, it doesn't feel like work. It's just, it's just, it's just heading towards your goal. Yeah, that's good. So yeah. I got to ask you about your various charities that you mm-hmm. um, work with, or I don't know if you actually set them up yourself or, or um, how um, you're working in Africa and, and other. Yes. Um, we didn't, we, yeah, we we didn't set up the charity in Africa ourselves. Um, we actually partnered with a with another uh, family who from Ireland, who were very inter- interested in building schools in Africa, and that's something that we were really because my wife's from Congo, yeah, and she had a very difficult upbringing in her culture, so we wanted to give back to um, to Africa in many ways. So we started with the to build schools in Africa by raising money by raising money here and we we commit to like a percentage of our rentals to giving back to the to you know to um to building these schools in Africa to educate and just allow children to get a better education and and I think that's key you know and then we do like a sponsorship where we can get five children a year who come to Cannes and spend a little bit of time just you know understanding what European life's all about and helping them meet other children and just to we just feel that it's important that we try to to give back the way we can so but we didn't open that charity but we're very we're very um involved in it yeah for sure well I think that's amazing and and do you think if you're successful is doing charitable work and giving back, is that really important to you? Is that part of your ethos? Well, obviously you're doing it. So what other plans do you have perhaps? Yeah. I I think giving back is, you know, it's one of the best uh, biochemistry drugs you'll buy, you know, I mean, it's to, 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 to do that if you can, but you don't even need to be successful to do it. You know I mean? Mm -hmm. I've, I've, we've all, even when we were building our business, we worked in soup kitchens and helped with, uh, you know, the, the restaurant decor and, and things like that. So we've always wanted to help, yeah. you know, and, and help the homeless and different things. But I think it's certainly, I would like to think that maybe a little bit, maybe when I'm about 50 and I can slow down a little bit, we could maybe think about opening our own charity. And, and I would like to become very interested in that. 
yeah. and develop that. You know, I'd, I'd like to build a, a good charity that I've founded. That would be very interesting for me, but I'm not ready to do that right now. So until until then, we'll just continue working within the other charities and and giving back that way, and and uh, and we'll see where it goes. But I definitely will build a charity for sure. Yeah, I, it's an interesting. I don't know. It depends on your personal philosophy, but I think giving back however you can is actually one of the things that drives me forward. Is being able mm-hmm. to help people. So. Um, I'd really like to help more underprivileged people with what I do and, and, you know, working with different people who have that kind of vision. And I think it really is part of all being on this planet, isn't it? We're all linked really. So. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I think we can all give back in mm, some way and, and it's yeah. very rewarding to give back for sure. You know I mean? Taking all of the time isn't, isn't very rewarding, but if you can find something that you're passionate about yeah. and giving back to, whether it's, you know, whether it's helping out in soup kitchens or delivering meals or, or whatever it is, you know, collecting old clothes for charities. And it, it, I just think that it, I think we, we owe it to ourselves to, to give back in some way, yeah. you know, because there's always people who are so much more unfortunate than ourselves. So we've got to try to pay that back, pay that forward and help other people. I think it's important for us all to think that way. Yeah. Well, we have a lot of first world problems, don't we? Like slow internet or whatever. <laughs> so it's, it's not really something. Yeah. yeah. Slow, slow internet. I'm not worried too much about that one. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, that's the yeah. kind of thing people worry about. Oh, my phone's not charged or whatever. So, you know, oh, this is another problem. Quite minor. <laughs> so, really thinking in terms of, um, mindset again because this is fascinating and I do think it's something that helps people massively um in COVID-19 lots of people have had a lot of chances to reflect on you know what's the point of anything what am I doing and um so really what yes self-belief helped you um in your darkest times but what is it really do you think that that got you through the hardest parts? Um, Are there other techniques and things that you might say could help people who are wondering what on earth they're doing? Yeah, but I I think again, it's, you know, like, first of all, I mean, self-belief is one thing, you know I mean? You can sit there and say to yourself, I can believe I can do that, but you've got to be doing things on a daily basis that take you towards that goal. So, you know, I mean, I think lifestyle, I mean, one. The, I mean, I look at it as five things. I, I certainly think that self-belief is the first one. You know, self-talk is the second one. How you talk to yourself mm-hmm. is critical because there's so many people who are just so, you know, critical of their of their own lives that that they're, they're, um, on a daily basis they're putting themselves down, which is not which is not a good thing to be doing. You've got to be talking positive to yourself, and you've got to be learn how to do that. So. Self-critical and self-talk is very important. Education. So self-education, and, I, and, I, and that, this is key to understanding. I mean, I got over anxiety. Well, I didn't get over anxiety. I learned how to deal with anxiety at a high level. Like, I was, I was riddled with it, I reckon, when I was like 17, 18. But I learned to understand it by educating myself on it. So the less you know about something, the more scary it is. So if there's something that scares you, like anxiety or depression or something like that, read about it. 
educate yourself on it. You will certainly understand how the brain works. I mean, I've been reading books on, you know, biochemistry and brain plasticity and all these different things for many years, just to educate myself, because I believe that helps me understand when I go through tough times, I know how, what I know these feelings and emotions that are coming so I can deal with them. So education, and then also the action behind the education, because if you're just reading and taking no action, then that's, that's, that's not really much point in that. I know a lot of people who say that they read a lot of books, but if they don't take into action what they read, then they're not going to benefit from that. So re-educating yourself, but putting the action into place. And then lifestyle. I think lifestyle is everything. I mean, what you eat, how you sleep, you know, what you do, your emotional mastery, that's very important. Um, your habits, writing down your bad habits and, attacking them because you know you can change a bad habit you just got to have the intent but you're going to know what they are and what the triggers are and then change your lifestyle so how you eat how you sleep how you exercise and all of these five aspects over a long period of time don't tell me wrong don't think that you start doing it today and tuesday you think well this hasn't worked (laughs) (laughs) this is something that you have to commit to yourself long term that's why I don't believe in diets, you know, like, oh, you're on it, you're off it, you're on it, you're off it. It just doesn't work. Just concentrate on just living a healthier lifestyle. And it doesn't have to be that you stop everything that you do. You know, so many people, they get, say, oh, I'm going to start meditating. And they meditate for the first five days. And then the sixth day, they don't. And they think, oh, that meditation, I don't want to do it anymore. Just because she did it for five days and missed it, it doesn't mean it's not working. You know, you've got to continue on the path of continuously doing what you're doing and you will get better at it and what happens is you're building you know like if you go to the gym you're building muscle Mm. you can build mental muscle as well okay and that's all through the education the subconscious mind of understanding what you're going through and then you'll deal with depression stress anxiety difficult times all a lot better if you're educated, your self-talk's better, your self-belief's better, your lifestyle's better, but you've got to put it into action. You can't, I have a saying, you know, like, I don't like being dizzy, but I don't want to jump off the roundabout. (laughs) You've got to, you've got to make that conscious decision that you want to change. Hmm. And not any, and nobody is going to stop me from changing. Not even my wife, not even my kids. You've got to take that decision and say, no, I'm going for it. And it doesn't mean you have to do everything in a day, but you have to start to look forward and say, no, I'm going to start talking to myself better. I'm going to start having more self-belief. I'm going to educate myself more. I'm going to start leading a healthier lifestyle. And I'm going to start concentrating on sleep, you know? And you start doing that, and over probably in about three months' time, you'll see huge, huge, huge benefits. Yeah, you just become a more positive person just by doing these. But that's what it is. Positivity doesn't. You can't talk it. You can't. It's not something you can sit. In. Mm. If I'm positive, I'm positive. I'm, that doesn't work. No. It. You know, you've got to. You've got to lead a lifestyle that drives positivity. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and really feel it. Yeah. Yeah, and really, and they say, you know, like if you want to take the island, you burn the boats, don't you? <laughs> otherwise there's a plan b otherwise you you can go away 
Yeah. You know, but if you really want something, you've got to stop everything behind that can pull you back to a to like not achieving it. It doesn't matter if you have a hiccup, mm. just keep going. Everybody's going to have hiccups, but you've just got to keep going. And, yeah. and, that inner, and that inner critic of saying, okay, that was, a, that was a bad day. We all get bad days. Mm. I get terrible days, but I don't stay there long. No, exactly. We're all human, aren't we? I think it's brilliant that you share all the failures and stressful times and, and all of that because many people yeah. don't and um so you know yeah we, we all get them we all listen we're our human brains uh, we're we're all going to get anxiety we're all going to get depression we're all going to get you know um stressed we're all going to get nights where we don't sleep and it's going to happen to all of us but I th- the less you can the less you can worry about all of that mm. you know and and embrace the challenge yeah you know like if that's that that's a key factor it's like you know that i can't wait to get this done self inner talk is so important because it drives positivity if you have if your inner talk is negative mm. then you're going to drive negativity you know mm. like like anything even I, I read a book about a wife um a woman who was wanting to do the housework and one woman said oh i can't do it i really don't want to do it it really drives me mad and then one woman woke up and said i can't wait I can't wait to get stuck into this housework. I'm going to use it. I'm going to clean the house for my family. I am going to do the best job ever. And the difference between the two talking, one of them attacked it and embraced it because it needed to be done. Mm. It's how are you going to do it? Are you going to do it with positivity or negativity? Yeah. So how you speak to yourself is, is critical to, uh, to, to leading a positive mindset. And yeah. a positive mindset will certainly lead into you running a more successful business uh, that's awesome um i hesitate to ask you because mm-hmm. there's probably loads but are there a couple of mindset books or anything that you could help people with to take away well I'd, uh, yeah i'll be i'll be happy to to send i can send you a um an email with my top five if you want and, and oh, then you can yeah. put the link you can put the links in the show notes or whatever but yeah the, I mean, i'm quite big on habits I think habits are very, you know, so I've got a couple of books on habits. I'll send you the links to. Um, so the, the happy chemicals and understanding what, you know, dopamine, serotonin, you know, cortisol, all of these stress hormones and happy hormones. And you have to understand all of this because understanding all of these um, aspects of your, of your human biology can help you cope and understand what's going on in, in your life and in other people's lives. And, you know, I've got rid of so many bad habits just by being present and understanding that's the habit I want to change. Mm. You know, I I mean, a good task for anybody to do is write down the five habits you hate. Okay. And then start with the first one. Change that one. And it's easy to do. No, it's not easy to do. (laughs) It's possible to do. But you've got to want to do it. That's the difference. You know, if you want to stop smoking, you can but you've got to have that re that the the reason for you to stop has to be really powerful you know whether it's i want to stop for my children but if you if you're stopping because your wife's telling you to stop you're not going to stop you don't really want to do you then well this is the thing <laughs> but if you want to do it if you want to do it and your self belief tells you you can do it then you just got to choose, pick a day and start and do it yeah. And, and then, and, and that's it. Burn the boats. You know, there's no going back. 
that's awesome that analogy isn't it I like that and I think this is really empowering and, and really um having that awareness I guess is the thing isn't it step back see what's going on but yeah the reading list would be awesome because then I can share that in the community as well so I will I'll send you my top five um, books that I've read and I mean I've read so many but I would say the last 10 years I've, I'll definitely have a top five <laughs> I thought there'd be a lot so yeah, yeah I mean it's I find it fascinating self-development self-discovery and it it really helps you have compassion for people as well because we're all going through the same thing aren't we you know different times so I think it's huge and I think it's brilliant to talk to you about this as well as you know the practical aspects Mm. of the short stay market and everything so I think mindset's everything you know personal development is like it, it I mean I've been doing it for about 11 years um I mean it's come a little bit more mainstream now I mean a lot of people are talking about it more and things like that. I mean, I don't meditate as such, but I do a lot. Of, I do a thing called priming. Okay. And I think that, and I think that helps. That helps me a lot um, with my focus. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, meditating. I don't sit. I, I think meditating for me is just sitting on my own with my own thoughts. I don't need to be like you know in a dark room or anything like that. Uh, with meditation music, I think just being comfortable with yourself. Yeah. is is such an important thing to be able to do without doing anything you know without drinking without smoking without eating just you know so there's a lot of things that I've introduced to my life like intimate fasting you know habit loop tracking priming and all of these things help you to just wake up in the morning with intent to do better yeah. and I think that's what you've got to start to try to feed into yourself mm. I think that's huge, isn't it? So living consciously, um, I don't know, definitely a work in progress. Um, but we're all work in progress. <laughs> you know, there's nobody, there's nobody going to master this. But but what's but what's important is that you, when you wake up in the morning, that you you feel good about who you are. Yeah. You know, and I think there's so many people who have got some habits that they that eat into their discomfort you know mm-hmm. their their emotions of discomfort you know like shame and guilt and these are things that they continue to do them so the loop the loop is driving you know shame and guilt back to forward you know reward and I think once you can be content and say you know what I own this I own this bad habit it doesn't matter but yeah. I can't change it it doesn't matter if I've got a bad habit who cares but I want to change it starting today that's mm. powerful yeah you know, I think anybody who sits there and goes, you know what, I get up at five o'clock in the morning, I go for a run, I meditate, I drink green tea, I don't stress, I'm great, I'm, I'm the best at everything. That's just all, you know, that's just too much. Everybody has days when they wake me. up. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's just it. Listen, I'm, I'm, I don't get up at five o'clock in the morning, no way, you know, but, but I, I am an early riser, but I, I get it for me. It just, it's not because other people say, oh, the most successful people get up at five. No, they don't. They don't. You know, and, it, and it's all kind of, and this is feeding into people's negativity as well. It's like, I can't get up at five. I can't meditate every day. I can't do this. It's like, well, you don't need to. No. You just need to do what's right for you. Yeah. You know, find that routine that helps you and, 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 and feeds into your positivity and yeah. change your habit. What you think is a bad habit for you may not be a bad habit for somebody else. 
Mm. So you've just got to work on yourself, yeah. not anybody else, and not worry about what anybody else thinks. I think, yeah, there's a lot of that sharing prescriptive methods but and it's really good to share techniques but I think anything that is positive for us individually absolutely right it's really empowering isn't it it's really um feeds a positive cycle rather than the opposite way because so many of us just beat ourselves up all the time but so I think that's really really valuable Chris thank you yeah yeah you've got to you've got to hang around with positive people as well you know yeah. And I think that's and I think that's a very important part. And, and in today's world with things like YouTube and podcasts, you can hang you can hang out with the people you admire on yeah. a daily basis. On a daily basis. So if you commit yourself to what to listening to a positive podcast every morning, that's going to empower you to have a better understanding of the day. And like, you know what? I'm I, other people can do it. I can do it. Mm. But you've got to hang around with these positive people. And by listening to positive podcasts, positive YouTube, not listening to neg- not getting involved in just scrolling through Instagram aimlessly and just looking at things that don't don't educate you. You've got to look at things that power your brain to be positive. Education, education is key to understanding how the the brain works, the life works, and it'll all feed into a positive mindset. And and after you get a positive business. I think that's really great advice. And one thing I saw you say once um, was to put mindset books in your properties for your guests as well. So that yes. helps them as well. So that's a really brilliant idea. I love that. Too. Yeah, yeah, we do. I mean, I do it because, I, yeah, because I think it's important. You don't know how other people are feeling. Yeah. And I think just reading, you know, the brain's a very powerful tool, as we all know. But just reading something positive can change that whole shift in mindset. Reading a, reading a positive book can just change somebody from feeling down on themselves to, to, bring, to lifting themselves up. So we put some positive mindset books on the table and just kind of say, you know what, we, uh, we hope that you find the apartment, you know, to your satisfaction. Here's some positivity around it. You know, we thrive on positivity. Enjoy your stay. And then people delve into them and they read them and we get so many reviews about why they enjoyed the books and, and it's it's great yeah yeah it's fantastic I I love I like people I like I mean I only hang around with positive people (laughs) where I can you know I mean I've got negative people but I try to limit myself to how much time I spend with them yeah makes sense yeah this is uh this is how it is so it's uh yeah well you've given us so much amazing information so first of all starting with getting our bookings and you know improving our websites awesome funnel you described there so good and basically you know what we're all doing here and how to live better lives so this is an amazing interview with you thank you so much for joining me it's so absolutely good. my pleasure sally really appreciate it it's fabulous so yeah, wonderful. I look forward to seeing more of what you do in your business, more of what you do in the short-term mental sector and IPRAC. May it go, you know, stronger and better and reaching more people, helping more people too. Thank you so much, Sally. I really appreciate that. Huge thanks to you as well as listeners and subscribers of the podcast for being there. And I hope you've really enjoyed that. So much value there. And Chris will be sharing his book list and podcast list with me so I can share it with you guys in the community. So huge benefits there. Okay, take care then, guys. Till next time. Sharing the secrets of success.